Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yes, Father, in the name of Jesus, your word is lamp unto our feet and light unto our path. This is how you disciple us with your word. And so we approach the teaching of your word with humility and with receptiveness of hearts. And we thank you that we would leave better than we came. In Jesus' mighty name, say loud amen. Two years ago, um, two years ago I shared from a text and I want to start with that text because that's the Celebration Church text. It reminds us, you know, of why we do what we do. Turn your Bibles, Philippians 1.25. Philippians 1.25. A pastor is talking to his congregation and he says something very profound and powerful. I know you know it by heart, but I want you to read it as loud as you can. As a reminder, one, two, go. Come on, you ought to be more enthusiastic than that. One, two, go. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your fault. Hallelujah. Can you all say progress in the faith? And joy in the faith. I'm going to come back to that. But you see, one word that stands out to me in this entire verse, very unassuming but important word, three-letter word, four. It says, I will continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. The reason that word is important is because it emphasizes the why. Listen, I'm glad you're in church, but why? I'm glad you're a member of this church, but why? I'm glad you come regularly, you pray, you study, but why? We must never forget why we do what we do. We must never forget why we're here. And he tells you why we're here. For furtherance and joy. Listen, many people have become so used to going to church, they go to church just because. They go to church to appease the guilt they feel if they do not go to church. They go to church just to tick the box. And so they are used to presenting themselves with, to church and their lives are not altered. But he tells you, he says, we are here for progress. Never forget that. This is why we gather. This is why we do what we do. For progress and joy in the faith. There must be progress in the faith. Progress in our understanding. Progress in our consecration. Because you see, spiritual things can become cultural. Spiritual things can become traditional. And so some people subconsciously in their mind, they have a filter for the word. They have already decided the kind of life they're going to live. They're already set in their ways. And so when the teaching comes, it just passes from one ear and goes, in, goes out through the other ear. Well, that's not the will of God. Progress, meaning when you are confronted with the word of God, your life must be altered. It must change. This is why you've seen many religious people who are in church and you're wondering, why is your character like this? This is why. 
Because we don't know what worship is. You know, you see, first and foremost, only later in the Bible did people begin to call music worship. The first time worship was used, it was used for sacrifice. The first time worship was used was when Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac. He says, I'm going to worship. That's what worship is. It's not a song. It is any activity that reveals consecration. That's what worship is. It can be a song. It can be prayer. It can be giving. It can, and most importantly, it is the manner of your life. That's worship. Anything that reveals consecration is worship. But sometimes we get carried away because the keyboard is on, because the song is nice. We lie. We say things that are inconsistent with the character of our lives. And so we are not changed. That's not worship. It's good that you sing and that you cry. That's not enough. The ultimate proof of worship is a life placed on the altar of consecration. A life. That, that you present yourselves living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God. That's your reasonable worship. That's your reasonable service. Not your song, but yourself, your entirety. That's what worship is. And le let me tell you something. It is hardness of heart. To become so used to hearing a word that should alter your life and your life is not altered. It's a terrible thing. Let me tell you something. It is one of the worst things that can happen to a child of God. Ever learning. Never able to come to a point of truth. Where you come to a point where the word of God is no longer changing your priorities, influencing your thoughts and your actions. It's... it's, it's that's as close to reprobacy as you can get. When you talk about reprobacy, it means this person is not responding to spiritual things. Has proven, you know, over time to be not responsive to spiritual things. This is important because this month, the theme is buckle up. Please nudge the person by your side gently. Say buckle up, buckle up, buckle up. So we're exploring spiritual maturity. Not church attendance, but maturity. Spiritual maturity. Because you see, sometimes, you see, God wants to use people, but it's not just about the, it's not just about the numbers. And that's why, you see, Gideon had so many people to work with. And God began to give parameters that revealed true consecration. And the numbers were reducing. So I wonder what the true membership of this church looks like. I wonder how many people actually truly belong to the army. How many people are actually doing the biddings of God. Because just like the Gideon army, when it's time for serious work, God knows how to shred. 
the people who are just part of the number, have no consecration, no commitment. God doesn't want that. And I want to tell you as your pastor, God wants better for you. Buckle up, please. The theme for this service in particular is delight in the word. And I want to start in a seemingly unusual way. I want to read some verses from the temptation of Jesus because there is a powerful lesson there. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, it says, Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. And he answered and said, It is written, Everybody read that together, one to go. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I wonder why you're reading like that. He said, it is written, one to go. Read it again, one more time, loud as you can, one to go. Man shall not live by bread alone. Listen, let me, let, me, let me ask you this. If you are the devil, I hope you're not. And you have the opportunity to tempt the incarnate son of God. You have one opportunity to derail him from his purpose. Listen, this is do or die or do or leave. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like, you get what I'm saying? Like, if you don't get this right, all mankind will have the opportunity to be saved, to receive eternal life. So this is a desperate mission of the devil. If you had the opportunity to tempt the Son of God, what temptations will you throw? Listen, based on your traditional religious training, what temptations do you think, you know, some of you would have thought the devil will come with girls. To try to tempt Jesus. I mean, I understand the second and the third temptation. Okay, if you bow, I will give you the riches of all the kingdoms of the world. That, that makes sense. That's more akin to the stuff you watch in Hollywood. I even understand jumping from the pinnacle of the temple. Because also metaphorically and prophetically, we know what it means to rise up the ranks of spiritual devotion and become careless, thinking I can fall, it no longer matters. So, so that kind of makes sense. And then even practically, for you to be that careless, thinking that that's the will of God, just a careless show of power so that you will fall and die, mission accomplished. But the first one, turn stone to bread. Listen, how is that a temptation? Because you, you have to understand this. First and foremost, generally speaking, God does not want us hungry. Yeah, we can fast for a season, but he doesn't want us hungry. God will literally rain bread from heaven to feed his children. God doesn't want us hungry. So why is this a temptation? Listen, I've said this before. 
if you can turn water to wine, why can't you turn stone to bread? If you understand this, you will understand one of the most important tenets of spiritual maturity. If God doesn't want us hungry, why is this a big deal? Here is one lesson I don't want you to ever forget. The devil doesn't only lure us from good things with bad things. He lures us from great things with good things. It is not just white or black. It is white or gray. He doesn't just lure us from good things with bad things. You see, this is why many people lack discernment. Because they are looking for the devil wearing a red cloth with a conspicuous horn. But the Bible tells us that the devil appears as an angel of light. He always has good advice. For some reason, you just think the devil likes Eve so much, he wants to give her advice on how she can be more godly or more like God. Why does he care? An angel of light. You are the son of God. Why are you hungry? You know, it, it was as if he cared. Some of you know this. If a child is playing with something valuable, maybe like your new iPhone, and you just collect the iPhone, the child will start crying. So what experienced people do is, you replace, right? So you take the phone and give the child something less valuable, like a spoon. And the child will not mind. This is what the devil does. Are, are you getting this? Replacing what is great with what is good. So now... This is the thing. Bread is good. That's why the, Jesus didn't say man shall not live by bread. He said man shall not live by bread alone. What is he talking about? He's talking about priority. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So listen, if I came here because I was hungry, it's a totally different thing. So now... Jesus has thousands of people in front of him. They've gone with him three days. And now they're hungry. He can multiply five loaves to feed 5,000. But I came here not because I lacked food at home. I came here to exercise myself in consecration. It therefore becomes a temptation to turn stone to bread. Do you understand that? Because the devil is trying to get you not to train yourself in consecration and to have good excuses. So how does this apply to you? Everything that is good, that is replacing your spiritual work, is you turning stone to bread. God gave you that job. But now that job is the reason you don't pray. God gave you that spouse. But now that spouse has become your ultimate love. You, you, the audacity to look at your spouse. You know, there are some things we say romantically that make so, no sense in terms of consecration. 
Some love songs look like worship. You are my all in all. And Jesus is like, really? You are my oxygen. And the one who gave you breath in your nostrils is like, really? <laughs> Let me tell you something. You understand spiritual maturity when you begin to understand priority. So listen, it's no longer good or bad. It is prioritizing even good things. Do you That's what I'm trying to tell you. That even good things must be prioritized. And I want to say this. I want to zoom out. I'm going to come back to this point. Do you realize this is one of the biggest things you can learn from Jesus? I have told you this time and again. In Christ is not just a message to believe. It is an example to emulate. So the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 1. It says, be imitators of God as dear children. Imitators. So I look at his life and I want to pattern after that. I look at how we overcame temptations and it trains me to overcome temptations. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Oh, this is life changing. Let this mind be in you. So listen, we have been eager to receive the life of Christ. We must be as eager to receive the mind of Christ. Come on, are you with me? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And that's what spiritual growth is. Spiritual growth is simply renewing your mind and acting consistent with that renewed mind. That's what spiritual growth is. And this is where many Christians struggle. I tell you, this is where many Christians struggle. Paul's message to Galatia was this. If you live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Listen, it is not just receiving the life of Christ. There must be a change in your priorities and in your consecration. If you live by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So in Christ, there is the blessing of his obedience. You receive the benefits of his obedience. But then there is also the example of his obedience. We emphasize the blessing of his obedience, but not the example of his obedience. I want to take the first one, the blessing of his obedience. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, 3, verse, you all know and love. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, meaning as God bestowed it on Christ, he bestowed it on us. Listen, never forget this. Jesus didn't just die for you. He died as you. He took your place. There's a reason he became a man. So that he can become the second Adam, your substitute. And so everything that happened to him was bequeathed to you by faith. When he died, you died. When he rose, you rose. When he sat, you sat. And this is good news. This is the gospel. 
This is important. This is what we preach. The blessing of his obedience. This is what the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 18. It says, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous acts, the free gift came on all men, resulting in justification of life. The blessing of his obedience. And we emphasize that. But it doesn't just stop there. Let's do a bit of Bible study. Are you ready? Are your thinking caps on? Do you ever, did you ever realize that there is a lot of prophetic coincidences that make the life of Moses very similar to Jesus? First and foremost, when Moses was born, Pharaoh decided that every child two years and under should be killed. Are you aware the same thing happened in Jesus' day? Herod decided every child two years and under should be killed. Not just that. The Bible tells us that Moses led the children of Israel through the Red Sea. Now, what you don't realize probably is that the Red Sea was a picture, a prophetic picture of baptism. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 to, it says that they were baptized into Moses in the clouds and in the sea. It was a picture of baptism. And then Jesus was baptized as well. After the, after the Red Sea, where did the children of Israel find themselves? In the wilderness of sin. That's where the temptations were going, taking place. After the baptism of Jesus, he was driven by the Spirit to be tempted of the devil. So do, do you understand what I'm saying? It was a consistent path there. After the wilderness of sin, what was the next thing? Sinai, the giving of the law. After the temptation of Jesus, he climbs the mountain to give the beatitudes. You have heard that it has been said, but I say to you. So you see, there is a consistency here. And this gives you a greater sense of importance of the temptation. Listen, as our substitute, Jesus is going through all that Moses and the children of Israel went through. Where they failed, he's succeeding. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why that temptation was important. In the wilderness of sin, these Jews, they made mistakes. Did a lot of silly things. This God that brought them out of Egypt with a strong hand, the moment they were thirsty... They began to curse him and curse Moses and try to kill Moses. But now Jesus, in a similar scenario, he's obedient to the will of God. So you need to understand why it is important that he said, man shall not live by bread alone. Not just that. In fact, he was quoting a text that was specifically about the children of Israel. Turn the Bible's Deut Deuteronomy. Oh, this is powerful, isn't it now? Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. This is the text that Jesus quoted. It says, so he humbled you. Allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know. Now, this is, manna literally means what is this? Which you did not know. It says that. 
he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. So listen, what the children of Israel were going through in the wilderness was similar to what Christ was going through. And this was the main point, prioritizing the word of God. And so we have, an, we have the privilege not just to receive the blessing of his obedience, but to imitate it. And so in our lives, we must begin to train ourselves to say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Can you say that? Say, man shall not live by bread alone. If I personalize it, say, I shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Listen, what I'm about to say next will change your life. Are, are you ready? Oh my God. Not the person by your side. Say, are, are you here? Are you here? Are you awake? Just in case you don't realize. The devil tried to get Jesus to perform a miracle. Does that make sense? I thought the devil should be against the miraculous. Trying to hinder the miraculous. And trying to lie that the power of God has ceased. Yes, he does that. But he has another strategy. Replacing what is great for what is good. So now the devil is trying to get Jesus to perform a miracle. Because as long as the miracle will hinder your consecration, he doesn't mind. If the miracle will stop you from fasting, where you should be fasting, you remember that you have the power to turn stone to bread. So you don't have to finish the fast. You can go back, instead of going back to where food is like normal people, you can just turn stone to bread, shutting your fast. As long as it hinders your consecration, he doesn't mind you walking in the miraculous. And this is where the devil has his chuckled on many church people because you see, they never forget this. The greatest principle of devotion is not prayer. It's not Bible study, but it is why you pray and why you study. It is priority. That I live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's not, listen, meaning I see this as something that aids my very existence. So because God is such a big deal to me, that's why I pray. That's why I study. If the devil can pervert your purpose for praying to be for miracles, he has got you. Do you understand that? If the only reason you pray, you know, so, so now, some people pray for competition. Some people pray for different reasons. And he can, what is meant to help you grow in consecration is now fueling the things that consecration is supposed to kill. It is now an avenue for you to express, express your selfishness. You're always only praying about, pray, about breakthrough, about money, about all these things. 
And so now, the devil doesn't mind. The, the, even the devil will suggest it turn stone to bread. Perform this miracle. When the devil begins to encourage it, turn stone to bread. And you miss the great for the good. And so all I want to say today is this. Seek first. Oh my God. Do you understand? Not second. Some people get away with, you know, the fact that at least God has a place in my life. No, he wants to be first. You don't understand devotion if you don't understand this. He wants to be first. So we do other things and then we just give God a place. That's not enough. So understand this. Man shall not live by bread alone. Bread is good and I live by bread. In fact, I eat bread but I don't live by bread. Do you understand what I'm saying? But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's, that's, that's priority. Where someone in the word of God says, I, I desire you more than necessary food. So I prioritize you above this, above my job, above any other thing in my life. Priority. This is why your devotion is not where it ought to be. Because if prayer was important to you, you would make out time for it. We always make out time for important things. No matter how busy we are, we make out time for important things. The reason your prayer life is struggling is a priority issue. The reason some of you have not opened your Bible on your own, apart from in church, on your own, to read in a long time is priority. Because it's a good idea. It's not just something to live by. It says you shall live by the words that proceed out of the mouth of God. Now, that's another principle of devotion. That's, that's priority. It's different from what regular church people do. This is what I live by. This is what strengthens me. Hallelujah. Where people get their importance from money, from status. Do you know what it means, for instance, when the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength? Have you tasted that before? Have you prayed and, you know, a sense of energy and strength and assurance was injected into your consciousness? And you just left that place bold and strong. Have, have you seen that before? If you haven't, you should try it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. The joy of the Lord as your strength. The word of the Lord. Have you ever gone into your day with the word of the Lord warming your heart? You read something before you left and that thing is fresh on your mind. You are greeting people, but you can't just forget. I read something today. My God, that, what I read is so powerful. Has the word of God aided your day before? Have you prayed? And you know, now you've left the prayer room, but, but, but something is carrying you. Have, have you experienced that thing before? The way fire has incense, has a smell. 
Sometimes I see people and I just know that you have been with God. You have been with God. There is an atmosphere. There is an atmosphere. You know, there are different ways to know. Sometimes it's the eyes. Sometimes it's the way they speak. Sometimes it's just, just the little things like their sigh. You know, it's, 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 it's there. But you see, you can be used to the religious calisthenics. You, you have a makeup Christianity. No real substance. You just sprinkle it on top. It's a totally different depth to live by the word of God. It means first and foremost, you subscribe to the authority of the scriptures. Oh, how much you need that in this generation. It's a song I really like. In a world of so many voices, I believe in your name. I believe in you. In a world where everyone's talking. In a world where everyone's talking. Lord, I I believe in your name. Say, only you matter. Say, only you matter. Say, only you make sense. It doesn't matter what the world says. Only you, only you matter. Only you make sense. It doesn't matter what the world says. Uh, listen, let me tell you something. That conviction, you will need it in, in this in this coming age. There will be so many voices. Are there still people who believe in the final authority of scriptures? Are there still people unapologetically? God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. You're, you're going to need it. The final authority of the word of God. No negotiations. No sentiments. No ifs, no buts, no maybes. I believe in the final authority of the word of God in my life. You know, some people, when you give them advice... And then you respond and say, let, let me pray about it. They look at you as if you are religious. We need to bring back those principles to the church. Sometimes people are trying to share their opinion. You say, but what does the Bible say? And they look at you like you have come again. That's my life. I live by the word. The final authority. Number one, and then number two, you have to prioritize it. Prioritize the reading of the word. You need to warm your heart with it. Let me tell you this. Are you ready for this? And the Lord is dealing with me on this too. Your phone is changing you. And, and that's, the problem is we don't even see it. Your phone is changing you. And there are many ways I can prove it to you, but I'll give you just two simple ways. Remember Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall do what? 
So now, why does he say that? Because when it comes to getting the true value of scriptures, time is important. And there is something about the word of God where you extract more value when you think about it deeply. You know, Moses went so fast to say, write it on your forehead. Write it on your palm. And that's the true mark of the beast. Oh my God. The mark of the beast will be anything that replaces the priority of the word of God in your life. Some people already have it. They don't even know. They are waiting for a technology or a chip. You have to understand the principle of that writing on the forehead was supposed to replace that Jewish principle, that instruction. It says, write it on your forehead. Write it on the tablets of your heart. Write it on your palm. So meaning a life saturated with the word of God will be attacked. The devil will try to replace it. Please, are you listening to me? Oh, Jesus. The devil will try to replace it. Anything that affects your ability to think deep is an attack on your spirituality. Because spiritual things take time. They take time. Now, I want you to be honest. Has this happened to you that there was something urgent in your life? Maybe an exam to prepare for or something to pray about or something to do, but you still found time to scroll. Now, what that does to you, you don't understand the importance. Because to achieve victory in spiritual things, you have to be able to hold on to one thing for long. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when the devil finds a way to break that circle of concentration, he has done something to your spiritual life. So we now have people who are not deep because they've not really spent time. They no longer know how to lock their focus on one thing. Like Jesus praying three hours, one prayer point. If it is possible, let this cup. But you, you, there, there has to be a way to... Do you understand what I'm saying? Social media bombards you with so many information. So it now becomes very difficult to keep one thought in your mind for 15 minutes. Because we move on. We just scroll away. So you don't understand how, what I'm telling some of you is the reason you are not even working in as much power as you should. Because it, there's a level of concentration of meditation it takes to press into true spirituality. So just by that, do you know what it means to meditate on the word of God from morning till evening? Do you know that is slowly becoming extinct just by the advent of social media? It's slowly becoming extinct. We're not as deep. And then also the length of time. Subconsciously, I, there was a statistic, I don't, I don't remember, the, the, the average person touches his phone every minute. You must touch your phone, subconsciously. There's a dopamine effect 
like the satisfaction. It's, it's a new addiction. You just touch your phone and see what's happening. I'm going to teach on fasting very soon. And you, you will now understand it's beyond food. The biggest fast this generation will need will be a phone fast. We will need to learn to turn off our phones. Put it aside. It's, in fact, apart from just praying, just reset your brain from the dependence on that thing. Priority. Turn your Bibles, Matthew 6.33, as I round off. I know you know it, but we'll read it to ourselves just so it can sink into our spirit. Oh, Lord, you are my God. And I will ever praise you. Sing it again, oh Lord. You are my God. And I. Oh Lord, oh Lord. You are my God. And I. Sing it from your heart. Say, I will seek you in the morning. And I will learn to walk in your ways. And step by step, you lead me. And I will follow you all of my... Make that pledge. Say, I will seek you. I will seek you in the morning and I will learn to walk in your ways and step by step and I will follow you one more time oh Lord And I will praise you. I will praise you. Hey, hey. Oh Lord, oh Lord. You are my God. You are my God. I will praise you. I will praise you. Oh Lord, oh Lord. You are. I will seek you, say I will seek you in the morning and I will learn. I will train for it and step by step, step by step, you lead me and I will follow you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Speak in tongues for 20 seconds. Speak in tongues. Sapalia kapato fri 
Veleka mando loko rika pali akaya. Zepeleto kombreste vida. Valote kapalia. Ronde lepakashe. Rete kepelia kapaya. Shepelete repeleto kopras. Rendo le kapalia kapate okitakaya. Retongre sipeto kipe. Kepeleto kupata. Leporita labuti. Sipala tukiva nanuki. Kina manokurie yala nuvine Samanori yala liyaka likira Ruvinani ye Kapalia Runamani ye yanakumine yanakuria Simananoko ye Simananoko ye Mano, Nina Mano, eh, oh, yeah, 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 Kanamano Kufeyanamano, yeah, Kapalia Kaya, Ropa Talia, Fetalia, Rundelemene Kapalete, Kapaletea, Sita Kapalia, Kapala. Lembre tongre sapale tongre sapade lendron sondre de ima pale kapaletea sutike pakaba pala tongre kapala la tongre librete epeleto kapalia kapado reno kapalo to sebaya thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord i see a vision of incense from altars that had been left dormant for a long time. But I see a vision. The scent of incense is on your altar again. The scent of incense is from your altar again. The scent of incense is from your altar again. Your prayer life is back. You are back. You are back. You are back. The seal that you once had is back. The consecration that you once had is back. God has brought you here to restore you. To restore you. He has brought you back to the secret place. Take a palia. Combreta surface. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Please stand to your feet, everybody. Pick your Bibles in your hands. Pick your Bibles in your hands. Hallelujah. Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33. Everybody read together. One, two, go. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. I want you to read it again and personalize it one to go. But I'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Let me tell you something. And this is the final instruction. You see, you can hear a good sermon. But if there is no next step, something that you can apply immediately, the impact of the sermon will be lost. It will only be a matter of time. Never forget this. This is talking about priority. 
letting the things of God have first place in your life. And so this is the word of the Lord to you. Don't take for granted the simple things. Simple things like a time of devotion. You see, when you're training children, especially in Africa, you train them with consequences. If you don't do this, this is what will happen. I'm going to flog you, you know. But you see, as we grow older, especially in the things of God, those days when you were growing, if you didn't pray for one day, you thought if you will miss rapture. But now you have grown in understanding. You, feel, you, you miss a prayer time and feel okay. We need to come back with that childlike discipline. That childlike priority. I seek first the kingdom. So, uh, listen. The prayer time must become sacred again. The prayer place must become sacred again. Come back to that place of consecration. It must become sacred again. It must become a big deal again. No big boy in the Lord. Wait, wait, wait. You go through a day or two, no prayer, no Bible study, and you feel okay. What level of understanding is that? That's reverse growth. The knowledge of God should drive you more into consecration, not the other way around. As a church, we have prayer times. Don't be comfortable missing it. Begin to prioritize it. You, you can't have a vibrant devotion without structure. There must be a structure. What time do you pray? If you don't know the time you pray, you don't have a prayer life. What time do you pray? What time do you study? How do you study? What book are you reading now? When you were younger, you had it as a, a drive to finish the Bible every year. But now, that's not enough anymore. Come back. Are you with me? Come back. Hallelujah. See, I'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Say, I seek first. Say, I prioritize God in my life. Say, I shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Hallelujah. That means the same way I eat every day, I must pray every day because I live by the word. I must study every day because I live by the word. I must. Hallelujah. Just give him praise one more time. Give him praise. 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 Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.